Compiler is an original podcast from Red Hat discussing tech topics big, small, and strange alike. What are tech hiring managers actually looking for? And do you have to know how to code to get started in an open source? Listen to Compiler anywhere you find your podcasts or visit redhat.com slash compiler. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am Ben Popper, joined as I often am by my wonderful crew of co-hosts, Matt, Cassidy, and Siora. All right, I wanted to talk about a story, a big story in the New York Times that's about technology and it's about work that I thought was fascinating. It's about the rise of productivity tracking apps and they go way beyond like the industries I assumed they would be in. Yes, it's there for like bankers, you know, at a trading desk. And yes, it's there for computer programmers. But it's also there for people like chaplains who are working in hospice with like people who are dying and are just there to provide comfort. And then they get their like performance review and paycheck at the end of the month. And it's, you know, they've been demoted for all the time they spend away from the keyboard. Like some of the stories in here are so bizarre that they're almost hard to believe. But just wanted to throw this out and ask, do any of you know anyone who works, has had a workplace where this kind of stuff exists? This is like they're taking a screenshot every 10 minutes to see if you're at your desk. They're keystroke logging everything. Dang. They're seeing if you're doing like moving your mouse around. And another woman who was like an executive at a company said that, you know, for all the time she spent like she step away from a computer and write down some notes or like talk to somebody on the phone about a meeting. All that time was like counted against her. And they actually took money out of her paycheck. Anytime you're not in front of the computer is like not counted as on time. I was shocked. It was like, I'd never heard of anything like this. The closest thing I've heard to this is with warehouse workers. Yeah. They're very strict on like, I think that they have like a 15 minute or 30 minute break or something like that. But right. they all have to get in line to like clock out. So that takes time out of like your break. You make a great point. They mentioned that in the story. So that's yeah. a great point. And then and then here's the thing, Sierra. They were talking about people who work in all these different industries. Similarly, being like, I can't leave my computer for a bathroom break because I'm worried that like they'll see I'm not there and then I'll get a demotion. Like, I'll you know, that'll hit and ding my product. So they're like trying to sit in front. It's, I mean... I was just shocked. I didn't realize how widespread this was and the nightmarish sort of like level of surveillance that people were having to experience at work. I'm reading a book exactly on this topic right now. It's called Deep Work by Cal Newport. And it's particularly interesting because he talks about what deep work is, like it gets into flow state and, and that sort of thing, which we've talked about on this show before. But he was talking about how there's all these companies, he mostly talks about the tech industry, but other industries too, where kind of like what this article says, because they track like mouse movements and and typing and, and that sort of thing, it ends up encouraging busy work and yes. not as important work yeah. instead of like really meaningful, efficient work. And it talks about it as a problem and how our world is not really designed for very deep focused flow work. It's designed for look at me, I'm working type of work. <laughs> and and it's not a good thing because some of the people who have been the most productive in history and, and people who do a lot of really great books and software and, and various other pieces of work tend to be very efficient with it and very strict about their time with it and do take regular breaks because it's good for your brain. And that's just not what we see in this day and age. There were a few quotes in the article about people who, you know, again, just sort of 
mindlessly moving their mouse all the time just to make sure that like the computer or there's programs you can download and install that are kind of just in the background opening and closing windows and stuff so that if you need to step away it looks like you're working and that's exactly your job your job has now become a bs job where like half your work is just showing that you're working instead of actually focusing on whatever the problem is at hand there was an example at yahoo where when what was the ceo's name marissa mayer um when she She was the ceo for a while Yes. So when she first joined, they basically had these kinds of logging softwares and she was pushing for people to not work remotely because she could see that people were spending less time on email and more time on this and that. But then it turned out productivity started going down or something because people were doing much more busy work and less of their meaningful work Mm -hmm. because of these metrics that are silly that don't actually show what work is. I feel like this is probably in the grand scheme of things counterproductive because I mean, in the tech industry, one conversation we've been having in some places is the idea of like the four day work week where like you can have a lot of companies who have done the four day work week have seen that the productivity of their team or company Mm -hmm. was either the same or increased surprisingly. And I feel like this is the exact opposite of that micromanaging your employees and keeping a close eye on them. Otherwise you take money out of their paycheck. Is that really increasing productivity at the end of the day? Like is skipping lunch and skipping your bathroom (laughs) breaks actually going to like make you better at your job? Stress you out. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the most happy friends I have are the ones who work at companies where their performance is very empirical. It's very output driven. Like if they get the work done, then that's all that matters. It doesn't matter whether or not they're sitting in their bums for eight hours a day doing busy work. It's whether or not they're able to meet the capacity and the targets that they've been set by the team and whether they can do that work in four hours or eight hours. It's, you know, it's, it's the productivity that matters. I completely agree with that. I feel lucky. It feels like, and Cassie and Sura will hear from you, but at Stack Overflow, it's like we set goals, we have projects and we have deadlines and making those deadlines, you know, like, pushing those projects live and then measuring if they work and fixing them as we go on. That's what we're all about. Like, it doesn't matter how you got there. Like what matters is that you did the work to get to that finish line and then you figure out how to like measure the results and improve or iterate as necessary. Do you two feel like that's kind of the vibe at the workplaces you've been at recently? Yes. My work at remote, it's very async, which is interesting because if you can avoid a meeting, they want you to avoid a meeting. Just get your work done whenever you can. Stick to like Slack messages and Loom videos if you have to communicate something a certain way, but otherwise try to be as async as possible. And it did take some getting used to because my previous role was very, very meeting driven, but everyone is so productive because they just work on their own time whenever they can. Some people prefer just working at night. Some people prefer the morning. We're across so many different time zones. That's just kind of how the company functions and it works very well. It's, it's something that I feel like a lot more companies should do. Considering everything that you do is async, does that ever get lonely that you're kind of not interacting with a certain number of people every day? Honestly, no, because we still do have meetings like one-on-ones with our managers or occasional syncs where we do have quick conversations and we do still have social meetings too. They try to say like, if your meeting is not a one-on-one or something, it should probably be social so that way you can make friends and that sort of thing. But I know for myself, I we'll have occasional social calls or coffee chats or something with my coworkers. I get my work done and then I have more time to talk to 
my non-work friends. So mm. I don't mind that yeah. at all, honestly. <laughs> One thing I've been thinking a lot about too is working for people who are either neurodivergent or people who don't like really fit the typical nine to five schedule. I think that working when you're most productive is really productive. <laughs> and like that, those times are different for every person. Like for instance, I know one job I had like every day routinely, there was a all hands that every employee at the company was required to attend. And I am not a morning person. The meeting for me, I think at the time was like <laughs> 730. And that like, that derailed my whole life. Like <laughs> So taking into consideration to people who, like I said, who are neurodivergent, like I have ADHD, I think a couple other people here do too. And that can affect when I'm most productive. And sometimes mm -hmm. that's not the typical nine to five schedule. I actually find that I prefer to work like the West Coast time zone. <laughs> mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. like I'm on when all my West Coast coworkers are on. And I think that kind of framing work in that way, if you can, if you do have the ability to work in an industry or a field where you can work asynchronously or kind of mold your schedule to what's best for you, I think that works really well for people. Like think about pe people who have kids and things like that like people who have health issues if you can work when you're when it's best for you i think yeah. that ends up making it so that you produce the best work as well that's how one of my coworkers actually does it where she and her husband have a couple of toddlers and so they're very young and very very active and because they both have very flexible schedules she'll work in the morning so that way she can take the kids in the afternoon and he'll work in the afternoon so he can take the kids in the morning they don't need to have daycare because they're oh, able cool. to stagger their schedules like that. That's nice. All right. I want to bring this one to a close. Thanks everybody here for sharing your stuff on it. Just to sort of put this in perspective before we jump off, the article says that eight of the 10 largest employers in the U.S. now track the productivity metrics of individual workers, many in real time, and that it's oh, for no. millions and millions of people. I mean, I had heard of it, but it's alien to me. I've never experienced it. I don't have any friends who've experienced it. I guess the article does make one, you know, sort of good point, which we've talked about before. They were sort of saying, what are the things that people do see once they look at this? And it's like, well, this person was playing video games three hours a day while they were on the clock. They were, you know, looking at porn twice a day, like in between meetings, like they were, you know, hiring other people, outsourcing their work to lower paid workers. So like, that's the scenario that convinces the managers or the executives that this is necessary. I feel like there's those like... I don't even want to call them bad eggs, but there there's certain behaviors like that that aren't great. But I would guess that a grand majority of people aren't doing that. And, and totally. it's, it's frustrating to hear. But th that was another thing that they brought up in the book, that there is this one case study where there was some worker who was constantly playing video games at work, but they always met their deadlines for everything that they produced. And so the manager was like, I mean, I'm not a fan of the fact that they play <laughs> video games all day, but if they get their work done, who am yeah. I to tell them what they do with their time? I actually had a similar thing happen to me when I was in school, which I just realized parallels pretty well. I was notoriously like doing other things when I was supposed to be doing work in class because mm -hmm. I would finish my work early. So then I would draw or I would make friendship bracelets while I was supposed to be like doing work. <laughs> and like my teachers couldn't really get mad at me because my assignments and classwork was done. But that's how I kind of feel. Like if someone's playing around, but their work is done at the end of the day, then their work is done at the end of the You're day. You're lucky yeah. to have good teachers. That has happened in my children's education. They finish on the early and then they start drawing a comic book. And then the teacher comes around the room and is like, 
it's math time. Like, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. It's like, well, I finished the assignment. But, you know, some people are inflexible in that way. So I think that's a good point, Sierra. I think we could go on a deep dive about how the education system is mm. very not tailored for yeah. kids who are creative and do get work done quickly and that kind of stuff. We could all probably name cases of that sort of thing, whether it's happening to us or other people. Yeah. And yeah, the, unfortunately, that element of creativity and getting stuff done fast is rarely rewarded with our education system. One other thing I'll add as well, just on the subject of if you get your work done, then that should be good enough. <laughs> you might go be able to afford to play video games for a couple of hours. Like in the freelance community, there's a big stigma, not a stigma, but a lot of people, they try and get away from charging or billing hourly for their work and doing project-based things. And the reason for that is because that rewards efficiency over time and seat. So they're able to take multiple projects, work extremely efficiently and fast and get it done. And just because they spent 10 hours delivering a project the end value of them delivering that is still like, it doesn't matter whether they take 30 hours or 40 hours to do it. The value remains unchanged. And it's one of those things going from a salaried position to I guess freelance or project work is that in a salaried position, you're being paid throughout that entire year. You're being paid for those 40 hours a week. Whereas doing projects, it rewards efficiency more than anything else. Outcome driven. Yeah. I hope people who are smart enough or efficient enough to handle their own work and then subcontract out for other companies, get a second laptop, okay? Do yourself a favor. <laughs> like, don't drag yourself into this mess. All right, a few more news hits we had here I wanted to touch on. There was one here, it was about the era of borderless data is ending. And so this is about how 10 years ago, as apps were coming out that were being used globally with the rise of smartphones and people were downloading the same apps in China as in the US or as in Europe or as in Africa, there weren't a lot of controls about like where the data flowed and where it ended up and who owned it you know, for legal or other purposes. And that now a lot of governments and regulatory agencies are becoming much more serious about this. We had to deal with this at Stack Overflow. We have 100 million developers visiting every month, super global. And we had to do lots and lots of updates and revision to become GDPR compliant and to figure out where the data was being held. And I'm sure we'll have to do more you know, in the future. But I would put it to you three, is this something that you've had to deal with in your work? And do you think that some of these new rules and regulations are a good thing, I guess? It's something that I deal with a lot at remote because a lot <laughs> yeah. of my coworkers are based in Europe and and in elsewhere. And whew, data management, we, we've had to do so many different trainings. And even talking about like interview candidates, we're not about allowed to say their name on Slack if we're discussing things because it's all about data privacy and making sure mm. that people's data is protected. And it's, mm. I think it's honestly a good thing, but it's clunky right now. I think we've all been on those websites where they have the gigantic cookies banner and stuff. And <laughs> yeah. I do think that it's, it's one of those things where it should probably be opt in rather than opt out of cookies and lots of other things there that I could rant and, about. And but I'm visiting the website for the seventh time, Cassidy, and accepting the cookies yeah. on mobile. Gosh. It's like, how many times mm -hmm. do I have to accept these cookies? Please. Yeah. It's again, I ultimately think it's a good thing, but the ergonomics of it are not right. there yet. Right. When I was working in Amsterdam, one of the things that we had to deal with was local for like English, Dutch, and German. And it's a kind of similar thing where like it's necessary to do, but it's incredibly clunky and difficult to kind of get right. And it's a lot more work for us as developers to incorporate this. I find it really challenging, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think in general, it's a good thing. Just thinking from a user's perspective, 
it's good for their data and information to be protected. And also, as far as the question goes, whether or not I've had to deal with this, actually, this is the first job where I've had to deal with it so much because Okta slash Auth Zero are like security and identity security companies. companies. Yeah. So <laughs> I, oh yeah, I was just having a conversation with my manager the other day, and like some information that I'm used to just keeping anywhere, it's like I can't do that anymore just because. Law changes and also That's be good it's like for you. A, yeah, sharpen up your game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's something I'm having to deal with increasingly. I think the issue is that the like legal slash law system, if that makes sense, was not built with technology in mind. And I also right. think that hasn't kept up. Techno- yeah. I think that technology or the software that we built wasn't built with data privacy in mind either. So mm. I think those oh, no. two things trying to fit together, it's going to be clunky for a while. I think it's good to start now opposed to later, but I think it's going to be a long time until it feels natural or it actually like works. But I do think it's a good thing. I think you're right. Like companies took advantage of the fact that the government hadn't caught up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. 100%. Good for them. You got your bread. <laughs> but at the same time, it's it's something that they got to stop now because uh, right. yeah. it's the kind of thing where I think a lot of people push back like, oh, I've got nothing to hide. What, what does it matter? But the thing is, at a macro scale, if a company can use all of this data to sway public opinion on anything, right. which we have seen happen... This could get worse and worse, and it's very, very dystopian. And so I think data privacy is something that we need to lean into and push for as individual consumers and as developers and and people who have a say in the companies we work for, because it's very important in the end. I was going to say, I wonder how this is going to pan out for companies that are basically built off of exploiting the fact that this wasn't a thing before. Like right. the rug is being pulled from underneath them. They're going to have to like probably essentially change everything about whatever they do. And we could name quite a few companies well, right now, well, but I won't do yeah. that. No, no. I was going to say, I don't want to name names, but since this is public information, you know, Facebook said to its shareholders, we expect to lose $10 billion in ad revenue because of Apple's changes and people opting out with do not track. So that's out mm-hmm. there, you know, exactly like you were saying, this has been their business model and now consumers are being given the chance to opt out and that that's going to have a big impact. We won't name names, but to continue the trend, there's been a lot of talk in the developer world. And I think it's super interesting about the in-app browser where you're in yeah. this like simulacrum of a browser. It feels like you're in Safari or Chrome, but really you're in this like web box that's inside of, you know, whatever the app is and the rules are completely different. Whatever privacy settings and cookie settings, throw those all out the window. Like the in-app browser is its own little wild west with its own rules, right Cassidy? It's wild. I was reading about this recently because they the apps that have the in-app browser can track everything you do in that in-app browser, which if you've ever opened a website in TikTok, you might know you can't open that in Safari. It's just in TikTok and you have to find that URL Mm -hmm. elsewhere. And Mm. that is by design because they can see what you're clicking and they can tailor (laughs) everything to you. And it's frustrating. This is just allowed, but it is. And they can tailor every single thing to you and make you really, really dependent on what they show you. That's one thing about like TikTok. I think Instagram at least allows you to click on the little like Safari icon or whatever. Yeah, yeah. you got to do that every time. Right. But like if you're purchasing things on the in-app browser, they keep track of all that information, right? Like they know exactly what you bought, Mm -hmm. how much of it you bought, how quickly you bought it. Like They offer (laughs) to save it for next time. Yeah. All of that is a thing. And 
God forbid you're like logging into different things and accounts and things like that on there. Like I kind of like picked up on that too. I was like, this is really strange that they don't let you like open this up in the. I've, yeah, I've that's, never. That's by design. I've never bought anything through an Instagram ad before because I kind of feel mm-hmm. like they got me if I kind of like you know mm. if if I do that I'm like oh cool like I can see defeat here you won I'll buy it here's my information <laughs> the one thing I have bought recently actually was it was a Zwilling it's like pack and fresh it's like a vacuum sealed for like vacuum storage and like keeping your fruit and meat and stuff like that fresh that I can endorse that was a very good purchase <laughs> but maybe this is where it all begins yes are you ready for a crypto story because this is wild and i fully expect a movie to be made about this some stage <laughs> after the dust settles right oh. yes. are you ready i'm ready yes all right well once upon a time there was a crypto company called three arrows capital otherwise known as three ac they initially started making money with currency arbitrage which is basically they would take mispriced quotes from vendors for foreign exchange companies foreign exchange fees or bro- brokers and they would make profit, like sometimes cents on dollar traded to make money. So like if a company misrepresented a quote, said 70 cents, but the actual price was 71 cents, they could capitalize on that, for instance. And so people stopped working th- with this particular company because they were basically making money in a not very nice way. And they pivoted into the crypto scene, funnily enough. And people thought they were geniuses. This is an article from The Verge, by the way. So there's a lot of really good information there. And they they found a lot of success here. They raised a lot of money. They were working in the millions of dollars territory. And then they made a series of investments. So they invested heavily in Terra and Luna. And oh. their estimated crypto holdings went from $500 million to $604. <laughs> yes. Oh, so they lost no. a lot of money doing doing some of these things. Uh, it's run a by two... A lot is an understatement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so many zeros gone. That's a country's GDP for sure. It's run by these two folks, Davies and Zoo, and they, they admitted that they lost $200 million in investments, which is just wild when you think about it. So they recently filed for bankruptcy last month, which also brought down a fellow firm called Voyager Digital. And the founders are believed to be in hiding, and there are theories being thrown around that they're in hiding because they borrowed cash from organized crime. Oh my gosh. Yes. This does sound like a good TV series. They also, with any good TV series, there is typically a boat involved and they bought <laughs> a yacht for $50 million and it was called the oh, Much Wow Yacht. Much Wow. Yeah. It's, sorry, it was $150 million reference. and it's being left in, I think, Singapore. Because they can't, they can't get access to it. Yeah, three AC was kind of like the one in the middle. They had a lot of counterparties, and I, my understanding is that yeah, like Voyager and Celsius and a few other people who have run into rough times. It all stems back to three AC and sort of the amount of money that they had borrowed from people and that just went poof. And along with yeah, like you know, just disappearing and declaring bankruptcy, they've made it impossible through these other ones for people to withdraw their funds. So shout out to our last guest from Do Not Pay. This was what they were talking about. They're saying you can sue these companies in small claims court. And if and when any money is ever recovered, you will be at the front of the line, according to the Do Not Pay founder, to hopefully recover some of what you lost. I would like to quote the notorious B.I.G. and say, (laughs) mo' money, mo' problems. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) 
All right. Well, I hope everybody who's listening is okay. And if you got burned on this one, you know, our our condolences. That's incredible in a really terrible way. Yeah. 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 They're currently headed to Dubai at the moment because there are no extradition agreements. So if this does turn into a movie, there's going to be international travel. They're going to be on a boat, organized right. crime. It's going to take all the box office things. So <laughs> yeah, It's going to yeah. be like Wolf of Wall Street, but crypto. All right, everybody. It's that time of the show. I'm going to shout out the winner of a lifeboat badge, and we're going to say our goodbyes. In what way does weight null work exactly in C? Yeah. In what ways? Thanks to Tony with three Ys for answering that question. <laughs> and you earned yourself a lifeboat badge, Tony. You've helped over four, almost 40,000 people, so we appreciate it. I am Ben Popper. I am the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Email us with questions or suggestions. Podcast at Stack Overflow. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps. My name is Cassidy Williams. I do developer experience at Remote and OSS Capital. You can find me at Cassidoo, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, on most things. And my name is Ciara Ford. I'm a developer advocate at AuthZero. You can find me on Twitter. My username there is C-E-E-O-R-E-O underscore. And I'm Matt Kananda. I'm a developer advocate here at Stack Overflow. You can find me online, Twitter, and YouTube at Matt Kanda, M-A-T-T-K-A-N-D-E-R. Yes, everybody, head on over to our YouTube channel. Just, just look up Stack Overflow on YouTube. Matt has made some awesome videos. Plus, you can see all of us doing the podcast in person. Oh, in the last episode, you could see Ben do a spit take. So that's also <laughs> fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm being more careful with my seltzer intake on these. On these. <laughs> all right, everybody, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.